Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode and um, actually one of the few opportunities that uh, we've had over 450 episodes to have a repeat guest here. Um, my my friend, relatively new friend, Brandon Wong is here with me. Thanks for hanging out with us again, Brandon. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I feel very humbled now that you said that you have very few repeat guests. So I'm very honored. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh yeah, no, sure. And and certainly no shade thrown to those who we've not had back on. But you know, there's there's something to be said too for a bit of chemistry in the conversation and then certainly valuable content. And um, we actually had you on the podcast. For those of you listening in who didn't hear Brandon's first episode, uh, episode 371, Brandon came on the show and talked to us about passive income for photographers. And Brandon, just briefly, for those who didn't get to know you in that first episode, and certainly I'm going to recommend, in fact, we'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But will you just briefly introduce yourself, what you do specifically to give context to our conversation? Yeah. So I started off my career off as a wedding photographer, just like many of the viewers on the show, tried to scale my company and found a lot of difficulty in hiring associate photographers and managing that and the liability that, that comes with shooting a wedding, you know, losing the wedding rings, missing the first kiss. So yes. I tried to be like Elon Musk and be like, how do I automate this process of <laughs> robots? So I said, hey, you know what? This our wedding couples keep asking for photo booths. So let's go ahead and integrate one. So we bought a photo booth. It was really large and heavy and decided, hey, let's make our own photo booth that's light, small, takes beautiful pictures, looks amazing. And from there, Nathan, everyone started to catch attention to it and they want to buy one too. So we actually changed uh, from wedding photographers to being the suppliers of an amazing business opportunity to help photographers scale and grow their business. And that was the birth of Photo Booth Supply Co. And that was seven years ago now. And then we grew to now 20 employees. And then what we're going to be talking about today is uh, how we're dealt with the pandemic and how that completely shook our industry and everything that we had planned for 2020 and beyond. So kind of the 30 second recap there. <laughs> Brilliantly done, by the way. I know that that uh, those of us, myself included in the photography industry, have a tendency of being a little bit wordy and long-winded. So beautifully done on the summary. And certainly, again, we'll, we'll link to that episode, the first episode, 371, talking about passive income for photographers, which in and of itself is a concept that's a bit unique in our industry. You don't hear a lot of people talking about that, you know, outside of, hey, sell an education course, which is a topic in and of itself. But um, generating, being able to generate income in addition to those events or those portrait sessions that you're shooting, how you can generate so-called passive income 371. We'll put that in the show notes. By the way, I, ha- I have to follow this little bit of a tangent, Brandon. Uh, you mentioned Elon Musk uh, and I'm late to the game on this, but I just started getting into Black Mirror. Have you seen that at all? 
Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually very late to the game because I think it came out in 2011, but I just finished episode two in season one and was just, I, I was kind of blown away by, by this thing. Um, but it's odd how prophetic the show was because now, nine years later, here Elon Musk is, t- is testing this, I guess, electronic, we'll just call it for lack of a better word, gadget, um, this implant uh, currently testing on pigs, but that could potentially help human beings be able to overcome certain disabilities, which is both mental and physical, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah, I, I actually watched that in, you know, half horror, half disbelief, half <laughs> yeah. it, 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 like complete utter excitement. You know, I wasn't sure how to feel, but man, I think it's going to be very wild in 10 years to see how the future is going to be. So I'm, I'm just along for the ride, man. I love technology and I love how it integrates with our daily lives to make it better. And uh, I think he's got some crazy plan for all of us. So I, I, I believe in that guy. I know he's very polarizing, but um, you know, I believe in his products yeah. and uh, I think it's going to really take uh, our humankind to the next level. So see how it, things go. It's a, and, and to your point, yeah, we'll just kind of see what happens because it's, it's kind of interesting. And yet what's, what's odd is if you look back over various science fiction films and shows over the years, in some ways, it's just weird to me how prophetic some of these, I mean, even going back to like Jetsons, the Jetsons cartoon, you think about the sound that their little spaceships made, and now you listen to a an electric car. We're not even so far away from that. It's, it's just kind of wild to see how we've almost predicted some of the technology that we're going to end up using. And I had a, a teacher in, in college uh, who used to work for the CIA, and he said, you know what? What you are seeing in science fiction films uh, or TV is technology that's already been around for 10 years. And when you start to think about that and the stuff that that is not public yet, uh, that already exists, I, I don't know. Again, it just kind of blows my mind. It's, it is a wild ride, and it's kind of crazy to see how quickly we've progressed in the last few years. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be wild. But uh, I, I personally am embracing it. 100%. I'm not an early adopter. Okay. I'm, a, I'm not, I'm not too, <laughs> I'm not that much of an optimist and open to trying new things, but I will de- definitely be the second in line to get the neural link in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After they make sure it's not going to just totally zap you and you fall over dead or anything crazy like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, to your earlier point, you, you've come back on the show today. You were very kind to, to offer to get into a discussion about how to maintain profitability uh, as a business during a situation like this that we're dealing with right now with COVID. And so for those of you listening in, if, if you know, you're listening to this a year from now or three years or five years from now, hopefully we're well beyond this kind of nightmare of a situation right now that we're dealing with in COVID, the way that it's affected our companies in some cases, probably what well, not even probably has definitely put a number of businesses out. Um, and yet, Brandon, you've been able to primarily maintain profitability and you know, while while Brandon, for those photographers who are listening in, because the majority of our listeners are going to be photographers, for those photographers listening in, don't check out because the principles that we're going to get into today are certainly applicable for you as a sole proprietor, the owner of a photography business, even if you don't have a team of people working for you and a business that goes outside just taking in a picture, the principles we're going to get into today are largely applicable. And, and I really want you to, to kind of pay attention, take some notes, listen in, because we're going to get into some really important stuff here. Um, talk to me a little bit first, Brandon, and kind of all of our listeners, introduce us to the effects that COVID have had specifically on your company, Photobooth Supply Co. Yeah. So as we all know, mid-March happened and that week 
was probably the longest week of my life. Every single day we had new regulations, whether it be federal or state. People can't gather over 100 people, 50 people, 20 people. The virus has varying degrees of fatality rates and everything was just completely shocking. And we saw this industry that was so contingent on gatherings and celebrations and being next to people all of a sudden be outlawed. You know, I felt like like a drug dealer. Like, oh my god, we, we can't we can't sell what we, we we can sell anymore. You know, they're completely banning it. Like, what are we gonna do? And we saw our revenue drop ninety percent. Yeah. And my entire team was looking at each other, like, well, what's what's gonna happen? How do we how do we survive this? Um, and for me, the most important thing was keeping my team because I knew that my team was responsible for taking our company to where it was yep. and is going to be responsible for taking to the next level. So this entire rug got pulled up underneath us. And we really had to not think on a fear or emotion base, but mm. we had to be really logical and really sensible and realistic. And the, the mantra that we kind of moved forward with was cautious optimism. Hmm. And I say that word because there's two sides of it. You can't be too optimistic in these situations because you're going to live life with rose-colored glasses and you're not going to see where you could have missteps. Um, And that's where the cautious part comes into play where you have to be really careful with every move you're doing. So if you combine both together, you have that hope in that optimism. You also have that crazy attention to detail and realism that you need to kind of survive this. So what we were able to do was kind of sit back and reflect and focus on that the three things that we could control, because there's a lot of things we couldn't control. Yeah. Three things that we could control. One was team. The second one was our, our marketing efforts. And the third was our product strategy. And as, as Nathan said earlier, you know, if you're a photographer and you're a solopreneur, don't just blank out here and say, oh, well, this is a 20-person company. It's a very different place than we are all these same strategies can be applied to what you're doing now and not just during the pandemic, but in any sort of crisis scenario. So everything I'm going to be sharing today can help you um, in any sort of high critical um, stage that you are at your company. Well, and there are a couple of things I want to highlight and we're going to get into each of those three points. Um, One of the things you pointed out, of course, was that cautious optimism. And and it's funny because um, I tend to to try to look at things positively. I am certainly a hopeful individual, and I was thinking, you know what, maybe by June or so, there would be kind of a turnaround at June at the latest, maybe even May, we'll start to see numbers start to pop back up because my company, Photographers Edit, took a massive, massive hit as well. And fortunately, we haven't had to let any of our team go. But uh, and, and that certainly, as you pointed out, Brandon, was a, a priority. I mean, the, you know, the people at the end of the day are what matter, right? But it was... It was it well ultimately it just didn't go as expected. Unfortunately, we're now seeing you know month over month numbers that are incredible and I'm really encouraged by it. Uh, but there was that initial like ah you know what I think this is going to turn around sooner than it actually did, and so we do have to be cautious. The other thing uh, that I think is even more important, especially in that context that you highlighted, is that we need to focus on what we can control. And, and frankly, this is even a good reminder today specifically for me um, that you know, rather than getting caught up in fear and apprehension, that we kind of maintain a certain level of proactivity. I mean, my, my values that I actually have on the, the home screen of my phone, one of them is proactive. 
And if we're going to be proactive, it's not that we're ignoring reality. We acknowledge reality, but then we figure out, as you pointed out, Brandon, what we can control and go from there. And, and I wonder if you can just expound on that idea before we get into these three main areas that you worked on. Is is that kind of a natural tendency for you to be proactive, to focus on what you can control? Have there been times in your life where you've gotten caught up in the fear of what's going on? Yeah. And I guess I've been always been a very logical person. And and, and that's not just saying to toot my own horn or anything like that. Uh, my lack of emotion sometimes have led to, you know, some downfalls <laughs> in my past. So I, okay. I'm almost too extreme. And I've actually had to learn um, emotion a lot of and a lot of like innate humanity that a lot of people have. Um, it's, I guess it's strange. Maybe it's my upbringing. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, so thankfully, books like How to Win Friends and Influence People and a lot of those things helped me a lot. Sure. But yeah, it's uh, so I, I have this, I guess, fortunate natural tendency to when when, when disaster strikes, I just kind of, you know, taking the vaccine. But OK, well, how can we fix this um, when when I know a majority of my friends are kind of overreact possibly or or have those emotions kind of cloud their good judgment again for me being so efficiency based and and always striving towards a solution uh i guess it's always been easier for me to to think more logically and not get too wrapped up in what my heart is saying sometimes or what yeah. what's pulling me towards uh, during these scenarios so i've, I've been lucky well, I, you know, there's a there's a book that I'll just throw out the name of here because some of the psychological principles innate to that book uh, I think are relevant. Tony Robbins is an author that I've mentioned a number of times here on the show, and he's you know largely I mean a lot of people kind of refer to him as like a motivational speaker, but really he deals in psychology and and more specifically the, the psychological principles, simple psychological principles really that will enable us to live a, a productive life, a successful life, a happy life ultimately. Um, and there was a, a, a book that he wrote years ago called How to, uh, I think it's called How to Awaken the Giant Within, uh, was the original title. It was like 700 plus pages and um, a pretty long read, but he re-released the book as a, like a digital download. It's free. If you just do a quick Google search, we'll link to it in the, in the show notes as well, uh, called Reawaken the Giant Within. It's about 100 pages. And there's some really important principles there that I think will help all of us more effectively deal with the apprehension, the fear, the stress that we've been facing uh, over the last few months. And uh, so I just want to highlight that. We'll put that in the show notes. But let's get into these three main areas that you put work into, Brandon, um, that have resulted in, in your ability to be able to maintain profitability through this. Let's start with team. And if you will, you, you pointed out again earlier that that this is still relevant. All of these things are to even the solopreneur. So let's put it in the context of that as well as you talk about what you did to, to maintain your team. Yeah, absolutely. And before we dive into this, I know we were throwing in the word like profitability a lot. And I, I don't want to come across as somebody or across from this company who was like only focused on the money at the end of the day. But I, I'm a huge advocate being a business owner that really fundamentally understanding that if, if you can show that your company is, is profitable or making money, that also means that you are still providing value to your customers as well. So I just want to throw that the underlying thing of like staying profitable is really that, hey, how can we as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as, as Photoboo Supply Co. still provide value to our customers? So that was the underlying problem we were trying to solve, not yeah. just the surface level thing of profitability. So team members, we knew going into this that this team of 20 people, it took me seven years to create this, this culture, this cohesion, this remarkable 
group of people that's that's willing to do anything to keep this company alive and to keep it growing. So I wanted to focus on that first. But at the same time, we were at this great growth trajectory. So we had people in our pipeline that we were going to hire. So going back to the what we can control, we can't control. We knew that we didn't know when this pandemic was going to be over. We didn't know when or if revenue was going to come back to where it would. So because of the instability there, we just froze hiring. The people that we were even very far along in the hiring process with, we said, I'm sorry, circumstances have changed. We no longer can move forward. So that was first. And it was tough because we really believed in a lot of these people. Yeah. The other thing too was keeping a 10 out of 10 team. So while we really admired a lot of the stat that we had, we also knew that there was a few people on the team that we were either coaching or people that were were not a 10 out of 10 in Photoboost Blackos eyes. And we were trying to to get to the 10 out of 10 level. These are people that we've given many chances to, people that we're, we're constantly coaching. And for us, we're looking at each other like, at this moment, there's nothing acceptable on our team except for a 10 out of 10 team member. Hmm. So we had to make the difficult decision at that point to either escalate that transition out of the team or replace. So we were fortunate enough that the people, there was only a few of those people in that category. And luckily in the hiring process, we had some people that were in the very late stages of hiring that we were able to swap out. So ultimately in the end, we were able to keep that 10 out of 10 team members and everyone that was on the team, let's just say come April, was a team member that was a a 10 out of 10 and was able to move forward. And why that's important, and whether that be your solopreneur or the managing a team of a large amount of people, is that during these times, Nathan, you don't want to be wasting time managing people yeah. or fixing mistakes. Or there's just no time for that. You, you, you just no time for BS, especially when ninety percent of your revenue has fallen off. Yep. So we just didn't want to waste time on on a lot of those those things that just weren't providing value for our customers. Um, and that's why we made that decision. And, and again, luckily too, that with the great unemployment opportunities out there and the benefits that they were getting, um, many of these the staff were were well compensated by our government. So I was, you know, a little less torn about making those decisions, knowing that our government had their backs. But I, it, it seems like here at the and to try to continue to bring it around for the sake of the solopreneur too, because I know that's probably the majority of our listeners. A lot of this idea, first of all, I, I have a lot of respect for your focus on team and the people in your company. And I, I know that you were pointing out, hey, this is not just about profit. Uh, that seems pretty obvious to me. I mean, the, the first thing you were talking about is the people on your team and wanting to maintain as many of those positions as made sense in the context of all that was going on. Um, but at the end of the day, we're talking about cost, right? We have to look at costs to our company costs. And I I was taking notes here, time and money are two words that come to mind when I think about costs to my business. We need to maximize our efficiency so that we're not wasting time and certainly cut costs anywhere that, that we can for the sake of saving some type of cash and making sure that we can ultimately maintain our team or at least maintain our expense or manage our expenses rather. 
Um, so it, it seems like a lot of this centered around managing the cost of time, the cost of money. And um, I know that, in fact, I'll just kind of break the fourth wall here. There, There's a post uh, that you made on Reddit about this very topic. And one of the things that you mentioned uh, there in that post was the significance of adding value. So not only were you keeping a 10 out of 10 team, each and every person was super valuable to the company, but then you were asking them to put their heads together and think about how they could create additional value for the company. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So with the pandemic, there completely changed a lot of job responsibilities and it was kind of forced upon us. With no events happening, we saw very little activity in incoming sales calls, in inbound um, sales tickets, and in, in inbound even customer support tickets. There was just nothing happening with our customers. So then we had an entire customer-facing team, whether it be sales or customer success, kind of sitting around with a lot of their a lot of free time. So I looked at them and said, "Hey, you know what? When it comes down to the end of the day, this is a crazy scenario. A lot of companies are laying a lot of people off. We're not going to be that company, but we can only do that." If we as a team can show our customers that we're providing value and that value, of course, is then turned into revenue to keep us being able to afford our operating expenses. Right. So at many meetings and it was almost every week we had a change of responsibilities because it's very difficult to go from like, hey, I, this is what I clock in and clock out to do. I'm very good at it. Say, OK, well, let's employ a what are your what are your strengths? What are you What are you passionate about? Um, what are you good at? And and let's see what in the market is is missing and what we can do to help your skill set fit into that and problem solve problem solve that. So th- there was many meetings with multiple individuals and trying to figure that out. And some some of the tactics were wins. Some of them were 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 misses. <laughs> uh, but in the end of the day, uh, the thing that I kept reinforcing to them again was. If you can provide value to our customers, you're not going anywhere. And that's all that really matters to me. So that's how we were able to kind of shift responsibilities. And some people had a complete radical 180 shifts. Hmm. Some people were just like a little, you know, 15 degrees. But ultimately, everybody had a completely different job come April versus March. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Well, it, the open-mindedness to that, though, I think is really great, though. And it, and it speaks again to that idea of proactivity. Um, you're able to manage the the loss in revenue more effectively by figuring out better ways to add value in the meantime. But then the other thing you did, I mentioned, you know, when I when I think about cost in this context, time and money, the other the piece of it is time. And one of the other things you mentioned in that Reddit thread was that you worked on processes. And we've talked about this here on the podcast in the context of COVID. I really can't emphasize it enough, whether it's you know during a time like this when business is down because of, in this case, a pandemic, or it's the off season and we have extra time on our hands. Those are the opportunities that we have to refine our processes because not only does efficiency mean we make more money, but it ultimately means, uh, particularly in the context of a solopreneur, that we have more freedom, more flexibility as a business owner. Talk to us a little bit about the processes that you refine to, to kind of minimize any potential inefficiencies. Yeah, that was a huge part of it too. And as you mentioned, Nathan, there is a lot of areas of growth in terms of our processes that we had to focus it on. And as you mentioned, it's going to be able to provide you as an entrepreneur with more time. 
it's going to give your clients a better product as well because you're ultimately going to be delivering them a better product, hopefully in a faster manner as well. And of course, you're going to save um, costs. So all of this is really important. And as we were in our growth stage and, and many of you photographers out there as well, you guys are shooting weddings all the time. You got your family at the end of the day. You don't have time to fix these processes. And a lot of times we get stuck in our ways doing them. But there's a great and quick way to recover this lost revenue in 2020. And that's to ensure that the revenue coming in 2021 is a lot higher of a margin. And you can do that by fixing these processes. So just for example, and what we were doing in our company, um, we had one system for our support tickets uh, and it was on Zendesk. So all support calls, all support tickets came in through that platform. Our sales, on the other hand, all came in through HubSpot. So our sales calls, our sales chats came in there. And you can already see the inefficiencies there. So customer comes in, buys a booth, has these conversations with our sales agents, then goes to our success team, which is, let's just say they have a technical issue, they have a question about something. All the history is now segregated into two different platforms. So they have to get a login to one or the other, search through things. It's yep. pretty dispersed. And the nature of our business too, Nathan, is sometimes people buy it with their personal email and then they start their photography business or their photo booth business yeah. and then they make a new email. So it's hard for us to track sometimes people when they're writing in from like multiple email addresses or sometimes their wife writes in, their husband writes in, their yep. business partner. It's just information was completely segregated everywhere. So we spent like almost three months just merging both of those platforms. That was not an easy task when you can imagine there's thousands of customers, tens of thousands of tickets, um, sales history, uh, all that stuff. So ultimately, in the end, for you geeks out there, we, we moved everything to HubSpot. Okay. So now we're like fully stacked HubSpot. We have this HubSpot sales platform, HubSpot service platform, HubSpot marketing platform. We're, we're everything on HubSpot. So that, was, that saved our team hours a day just by not having to fumble through different apps and and you know you, you it's funny you mentioned the the geeks out there but the reality is for everybody every single person and i cannot stress this enough um every single person listening and whether you feel like you're more of the artist type or you're more of the business type or you're more of the the tech nerd however you look at yourself at the end of the day if you're going to run a business and maximize profitability and maximize freedom and flexibility as a business owner You've got to be willing to invest a bit of time in making sure that your systems are as efficient as possible. Uh, the thing that, that the phrase that I've stressed over and over to my team over the years, and I've used on this podcast before too, is to minimize the number of moving parts. If we have a large number of moving parts that we have to keep up with, our life is naturally, or our business is naturally that much more complicated. We need to minimize the number of moving parts. The example that you just gave, Brandon, is, is a great one, centralizing all that information so it's easily accessible. That's um, really, really important. The same principle applies to any business listening in. And if you haven't already capitalized on the extra time that you've had a, as a business owner to improve the efficiency of your businesses by minimizing the number of moving parts in your business, the number of you know the pieces of software that you use, the number of email addresses, uh, the list could potentially go on here. But please spend a little bit of time doing that as we go into, I mean, we're going to hit the busy fall season. We're going to go into the winter season though again and another opportunity to do this very thing because it'll massively improve the quality of your life and certainly the profitability of your business. So I, I'm glad that we highlighted that. 
that's the the team component of this three part conversation, Brandon. Let's get to marketing. Talk to me about the pivot or pivots that you made when it came to marketing your business during this time. So we were really fortunate, Nathan, that we had a lot of organic growth. People just naturally were going to events, seeing a photo booth, seeing how fun it was, seeing how profitable it could be after crunching the numbers. Um, And anyone in the event industry has, has pretty much always had that thought in the back of their mind of, hmm, should I add this photo booth to my services because of how simple and easy it is to just kind of integrate? And then all of a sudden, no more events. So we lost that natural or an organic stream of marketing of just looking at a photo booth and seeing and getting that natural inspiration. Um, so that was definitely a big hit for us. On top of that, we were running quite a bit of like Google and Facebook ads at the time um, to the point where it was a significant part of our marketing budget. So seeing the pandemic, knowing that hey, team is first, we had to cut everything in marketing. So we went from, I think it was $13,000 a month in Google slash Facebook ads spent yep. to zero. Yep. Nothing. Yep. And even then, it was still hard to turn a profit. Um, so we had to think, okay, well, we don't have this organic reach anymore. People just going to parties and seeing a photo booth. We don't have any paid marketing. What can we do? And I was on Reddit and I stumbled upon this random post and I gave it a little read. And essentially, the gist of it was, you're doing marketing all wrong and you're wasting money. Here's what you need to do. And essentially what it said was, you need to be the go-to resource for your industries. And we thought about that for a little bit and said, like, okay, well, if you think about it right now, there is no one-stop shop place for anything photo booth related. There's no this photo booth emporium. There's no photo booth uh, wiki. There's no like expert on photo booths hmm. out there okay so we said okay well if we can nail that and if we can be that resource then we can by you know just na- like organic sponsorship be that next step that people take when they want to start pursuing a photo booth business so we looked at all the avenues out there. There's podcasts, there's YouTube, there's you know Instagram, TikTok, etc. I'm like, okay, let's start hitting these platforms. So this is when we talked about using our our team and figuring out what they're passionate about, what they're good at, and how they can provide value. A lot of them found a lot of interest in a lot of these marketing efforts. So, for instance. Um, Catalina, which is part of our team, she runs her own photo business and she has a lot, a wealth of information about that. So we started a podcast. So she started this podcast and within like, I think a month, we had a thousand subscribers to this podcast. That's awesome. And what we did was we interviewed everyone that was actually not only surviving, but thriving in the pandemic with their photo booth business. And what this did was it gave people a source of inspiration that were feeling burnt out or just completely defeated by the pandemic. And it also, again, was testimonials and success stories for anyone uh, wanting to purchase a photo booth or get into that business and, and seeing actual results and tactics that led to that success. 
So that was really fun. What's the name of the podcast, by the way? It's called the Photo Booth Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, though. Own that space. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I mean, the logic there, Nathan, was well. There's no, you know, there's there's no like go to resource. So let's just pick the most obvious name. So. <laughs> Now I use I personally use uh, Pocket Cast for my podcast app. I just searched it there, didn't see it. Let me look on. Is it on the uh, the Apple Podcast app? Yeah, it's on the Apple Podcast. We need to be better about being more um, uh, multi channel. We're not on Spotify and all that stuff yet, but that's that's our on our to do list. Well, the fact that you already have a thousand plus subscribers um, just on one platform is pretty impressive. Okay, I see it here. Yeah, Photo Booth Podcast. I'm subscribing now. We'll link to that in the show notes for everybody um, at BocaPodcast.com please continue. This is a great conversation. Yeah. So that, that was really fun. Um, maybe we'll get a sponsor too in the future. Who knows? But that was, that was that. And, and for, for Catalina who is running it, she is loving this. Like she, she is really excited about it. She loves talking to people in her industry. So in addition to like, you would think like, Oh man, this pandemic is going to force our team and our, our staff to do things that they don't like. And in fact, it did the complete opposite. They're doing things that they actually enjoy even more than some of their other responsibilities. So the next um, thing was YouTube. So we, we noticed that a lot of go-getters out there, they love education, they love learning, they love listening to podcasts just like this one, Boca. So YouTube was a great resource for that. There's a lot of entrepreneurial guides and tactics on there. So we decided, okay, that's going to be the next platform we target. So luckily... When you record a podcast, we did it over Zoom, over video. So that made very easy YouTube content. <laughs> so we just literally just use that same yep. um, piece of content, turn into a video, boom, put it on YouTube. Um, but in addition to that, of course, we also were filming tips and tricks, business and technical advice, um, and pretty much, again, everything you need to know to run, start, and scale a photo booth business. So again, trying to be that go-to resource for anything photo booth related. And again, if you're a photographer listening to this, um, depends on what your audience wants to be, but do you want to be the go-to resource for anything like photography business related? Do you want to be the go-to resource for anything planning a wedding related if you're trying to target your clients? Again, try to think of that uh, message and think of that topic that you think is going to be broad enough to attach to the audience that you want to get. So that was YouTube. Um, that's doing fairly well. <laughs> I forgot how many subscribers we have when we started, but I think we're almost got like 600 plus more now. And we have like 30, 40 plus videos. So it's moving. That's great. Uh, not moving as fast as the podcast, but it's definitely um, up there. And it's for us, it's like we're happy because it's evergreen content. It's going to be up there for a while. And well, you know, from- Seth, Seth Godin, um, obviously well known author, talks about the significance of focusing on even a small group of people. If you've got a relatively small group of people that you are constantly delivering value to and ultimately creating a fan base from that small group of people, there's this multiplier effect that happens. So I, I don't think that really any of us need millions and millions of subscribers or downloads in order to make an impact, certainly to add value and, and, and ultimately to be able to gain some type of benefit in our business as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a great point you bring up. So yeah, don't be defeated if you only have like, you know, a hundred views. And to be honest, some of our videos have a hundred views. So they're not all successes. Um, but what I can say though, is that we found that the videos that were successful were the ones that were extremely relative to the times. So we stopped almost all YouTube videos that were focused on like, Hey, what, what do you do at an event? Because there weren't any events happening to YouTube videos that were saying, how do you get future bookings for 2021? 
Um, how do you change your contract to accommodate for COVID in the future? So just l- listen to the room and post what's relevant and post what people will be searching at that time. Not saying the other content won't be interesting, um, but there is a time and place for everything. And right now is a very specific time and place. So it should be pretty straightforward to know what content will be watched or listened to about your viewers. Now, I'm, I'm curious in all of this, um, you know, the idea of creating content for the sake of adding value is has been a pretty popular concept for a while. In fact, we'll make sure to link in the show notes to what I think is a really great resource Gary Vaynerchuk put together uh, around his content model. The version that I'm looking at here says how I make 30 plus pieces of content from a single keynote. Basically, uh, kind of what you were alluding to earlier, Brandon, talking about how to take you know the podcast, for example, and then be able to use that on YouTube as well, how to create as much content as possible, as efficiently as possible. All that to say, um, I'm curious, Brandon, how how have you approached this so that you don't become because this idea of creating content for the sake of adding value is not a new concept how have you approached this in such a way that you make sure that you're you're not looking like or sounding like an, an also ran like like somebody else that's just kind of adding to the noise and i know that's a really blunt way of saying it but i've watched other businesses um, do this kind of thing where they just kind of follow suit. Whatever's trending at the time, that's what they do. And they can get lost in the mix as a, as a result. You pointed out that there really isn't anybody in the industry that is owning the photo booth space as the expert. Is that kind of where you started and then went from there? Yeah, well, the first thing was it's kind of like, oh man, what do we do with our marketing strategy? Oh, this sounds good, let's do it. So it was more like logic followed the action. <laughs> to <laughs> okay. be quite honest, Nathan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to paint myself as this like super genius here. Uh, but um, for us, it, this answer really comes back to what you were saying earlier about Seth Godin and finding that like, you know, that niche tribe. And for us, Photopus is, is already very niche. Um, photo boothing in a COVID world is even more niche. So mm. finding that space, and again, whether it be some videos only have like two or 300 views, some of them have more than a few thousand, um, we, we had a very specific topic. A lot of people are talking about COVID. A lot of people are talking about changing your contracts during COVID. A lot of people are talking about you know, how to survive 2020 and how to, how to gear for 2021. But all of our content is geared towards specifically photo booth owners. So if somebody is trying to to go into our industry or even scale in our industry during these crazy times, we are that go-to resource. So we're not in that sense competing and hopefully not adding too much noise in this industry because of how specific our topics are. And that may be 80% is the same thing as everyone else is saying, but that 20% that we've catered specifically to our industry, that's the 20% that maybe people are, are really looking for on um, the answers that people really need and that value that we want to provide and that they really seek. Well, and, and just to be clear, the, the comment about noise wasn't directed at your brand. I just I think it's really important for all of our listeners to be extremely cognitive, aware, self-aware when they are going to put together a marketing strategy that they don't just simply kind of join in whatever is going on in the moment that they, I mean, certainly we have to be aware of trends and and capitalize on them even to a point. But the last thing that we need to do is the same thing that everybody else is doing. So we need, at the very least, and as you've ultimately done, to put a twist on whatever content we may be producing in the context of this conversation so that it does actually stand out, that it does reach out to a niche group of people 
um, who will ultimately gravitate toward it, gather around it, support it. And, and ideally, of course, at the end of the day, that then leads to conversion, whatever our conversion goals are, conversion for the sake of our business. Uh, we talk a lot on the podcast about this, the significance of brand position, positioning our brand in our local marketplace or our broader marketplace, where, however, whatever our marketplace looks like, positioning ourselves so that we actually stand out. And the best thing to do in order to stand out is to see what everybody else is doing and kind of go the opposite direction. It, there, the other opportunity or one of the other opportunities that exists is what Brandon is capitalized on, which is, you know, there there is a kind of a gaping hole in the marketplace, the photography industry, where nobody's really owning the the being the expert of ultimately owning and presenting and selling a photo booth. How what does it mean to run a business, a photo booth business, owning that space? Brandon saw an opportunity. He went there and capitalized on it. And that's a great example for all of our listeners of how you can actually stand out. Make sure that you don't just copy and paste. Look for opportunities to stand out. That's really, really important. Um, and really, that's a great segue, I think, to the, the third point of discussion here, which is a shift in product strategy. And again, a super, super relevant point for all the photographers listening in. Talk to us about how you had to, yet again, pivot, but in this case, in the context of product. So this was a really big point of humility for us because the thing that we worked so hard for seven years to build was now completely useless. Our photo booths weren't able to go out. Our software was pretty much providing very little to no value. Wow. So we had to, yeah, it was it was a really tough pill to swallow. Um, luckily, there were still a lot of great things that our software were able to provide uh, when it's not being in use, namely that it housed all the memories that were captured at these events and provided a beautiful gallery for them. So that, in essence kind of like a proofing gallery, like your street proofs and stuff like that, um, was was kept many of the subscriptions and we were providing value not only for our photo booth owners, but for the people renting the photo booths too and to have these cherished memories. And hopefully they were looking back at them during these crazy times and reliving the moments that they were able to gather. Um, but for the most part, our photo booths and our software were pretty useless. So we had to really think back in the drawing board pretty much everything in our roadmap that we had for 2020 and 2021 got thrown out the window. (laughs) And we had to think, okay, how can our app and our photo booth provide value when people cannot gather Hmm. and when people are hypersensitive to sanitation? So very quickly, we put our heads together and was like, okay, well, we're already doing this marketing strategy where we're providing all this education. Why don't we? We have a talented group of people coming from sales backgrounds, marketing backgrounds, photo booth backgrounds, technical backgrounds. Let's put together a series of masterclass. We couldn't call it a masterclass because it's a trademark, (laughs) but let's put together a masterclass to teach people photo booths. That's premium. Um, That's going to be like even a step above everything that we're providing publicly. So that's where we came up with the Photo Booth Academy. And I remember Nate, who, who set all this up, he was like, I've never done this before in my life, but I had to set up a, a remote, four remote studios and direct all of you guys remotely, direct the lighting setup, direct the microphone setup, direct wow. the camera setup. And we pumped out, Nathan, a hundred videos in a matter of like a month and a half. That's incredible. It was wild. So now all these videos were included with our subscription 
So on top of getting an amazing app that helps you capture and create events, now it's going to help you actually close events and make you more money in 2021. So that was one of the ways that we were able to buy value immediately, knowing, hey, here's your core competency. Here's what our people love doing. They want to chat about what they're passionate about. Done. And we were lucky because we used all of our internal team members for that. We didn't hire, we didn't have any guest speakers on there or anything like that. I was really passionate about using my team and their skill sets. And I really wanted to bring out their passion. So mm. that was really proud of that. The other thing was sanitation. <laughs> Photo booths, you always think of like, you know, props. They're putting stuff on their face. They're putting masks on. You know, it's a lot of bodily fluids being transmitted. They're touching the photo booth all the time. Usually at the end of the day, there's just, you know, a, a layer of like oil on the screen. I'm not presenting this very lightly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> being very graphic, I'm sorry. So we're like, okay, how do we, if somebody wants to get a photo booth for an event and there were still quite a, a, a number of uh, photo booths still going out for the, the smaller and legal gatherings, how do we make this completely sanitary? So we created uh, a feature in our app that allows you to start the photo booth by just waving your hands in front of it. So that removed the need to, to touch the photo booth. And for the props, we actually have digital props now. So somebody, just like a Snapchat filter or something like that, they can actually have those props superimposed in their face. So again, you're not sharing and swapping this like hot, sweaty, you know, mask or boas <laughs> and stuff like that. Yep. And then at the end of the day, another big problem we had to solve was how do we get them their pictures? Um, you know, prints is, is kind of off the table, at least for the, for the short term. But how do we get people their, their text messages or emails, etc.? So we said QR codes. Everyone's kind of doing it and for many other applications. So after you're done with the photo, the guests would go up there, scan a QR code, and they'd immediately get a link to the image. And then they can then share it on that device as well. So this hands-free plus QR code option actually empowered a lot of our owners to start doing events again. And again, it comes back to that. How, how do we provide value to our customers? Well, we can only um, provide value if they're providing value to their customers ultimately in the end. So giving them this new avenue of rentals um, really empowered them to do that. And on top of that, kind of spurred a, a kind of a new movement in the uh, photo booth industry, which is drop-off events. Hmm. So... Uh, going back to what we talked about last time of like, you know, this quote unquote passive income uh, with a photo booth business, you could actually go to an event, drop off the photo booth well before the photo booth event starts, and then just pick it up later on. And doing this actually reduced the operational cost for our photo booth owners because they didn't need to physically be there anymore. They could actually do multiple events in a day as well. So they could just go on a day and just kind of drop off three or four photo booths and then pick them all up in the end of the day. Um, so instead of needing to hire like four photo booth attendants, they just needed to go out themselves. So it, it, it provided a couple amazing opportunities for them. And then the last thing which we just released yesterday actually was called virtual booths. So there's been a 700% increase in the search terms for virtual events. And you can see all these people taking their conferences online now and it's blowing up. And a lot of companies are seeing a lot of efficiencies in that because they don't have to pay for airfare, they don't have to pay for their um, hotels and, and food and beverage. Um, we actually just hosted a virtual conference ourselves called Booth Summit. And 
previously in the past, we lost money in all of these. <laughs> like <laughs> this is kind of a charity event for us to give back to our owners because yeah. you know the food and beverage minimums for these hotels, Nathan, were like forty thousand oh, yeah. dollars, twenty five. So yeah, it's crazy. Man. So for us, we're like, finally, we can throw an event. And we didn't, we didn't even charge anybody. We're like, just come hang out, have a good time. We have these amazing speakers. Just learn, have fun, you know? And we didn't have that need or that fear of like, oh man, we're going to lose another 10 grand this year. We're going to lose another, you know, X amount of money this year. Sure. So, so that was great. Um, so with all these rise of virtual events, there also presents a new problem is how do we connect all these virtual attendants together? When they're not really seeing each other, they're only kind of seeing the 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 speakers. Um, they can only really interact with each other via chat. How do we create uh, a visual engagement between everybody? So we came out with virtual booths. So it's essentially a photo booth, but instead of needing our salsa booth, you can take pictures from any device, whether it be your laptop or your phone. And all those captures get aggregated onto a live gallery and you can just see all the attendance and, and it's a beautifully branded content all together. And I'll be honest with you, Nathan, when I, when our team proposed this, I was like, no one's going to want to do that. This is silly. <laughs> you know, this is, this is kind of ridiculous. Um, and during our booth summit, uh, which are our virtual conference, we actually announced it. And when I saw all of our attendants take their picture and I saw them all together. I almost cried. Wow. And, and I'm not, I'm not joking here. It, it was a really special thing, especially after not seeing people and not going out to these gatherings Yeah, to see everyone's faces like together, whether it be like just pixels on a screen and the, in these small squares, that was just visual proof that like, Hey, we're in this together. Um, and we feel we're more connected than ever. Um, and it's, it's a powerful impact. Um, and it, it shows more in, in the value that the brands and these conferences are paying for it. Cause we're seeing these getting booked out for like anywhere from $500 to even like $7,000 wow. for an event. So apparently this is a very lucrative thing and a very powerful thing for a lot of our owners to be doing. So that was a few of the things that we <laughs> did the shift product strategy, um, in the past few months. Well, and, and I realize that for everybody listening in, you know, you don't have the exact same business model that Brandon does. Um, I, I think first of all, I mean, there's a podcast that I've listened to over the, over the years called how I built this, uh, with Guy Raz and, and it's a fascinating piece of inspiration. Um, it, I find, I find myself listening to it and while obviously pretty much none of the business businesses being discussed have the same business model that, that my company does. Um, what I find happens is I can get ideas. And in some cases, while they're talking about one thing, suddenly this other idea pops into mind. So uh, what I want to encourage everybody to do, first of all, is just soak in what Brandon is saying here, because what they've accomplished over the last few months is, is actually super impressive and inspirational. Um, but it highlights a principle that I think we'll finish this conversation with. And, and I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, maybe at least once, but um, as a photographer, as a wedding photographer here in the Chattanooga area, um, we used to work with the local photo lab, no longer exists. And, and for a reason which you'll soon find out, but we used to work with this lab and as, and of course this was years ago, as things were beginning to make transition to online galleries, uh, where instead of taking your film and dropping it off and picking up prints or even taking, uh, digital files and having them printed and picking those up, 
galleries were then being hosted online. The owner of this particular um, lab, he, I would go into the shop and I would hear him complaining and, and over and over again. And long story short, as I pointed out, that company went under. Rather than seeing what change was happening in the industry and pivoting with it, like Brandon is so wonderfully exemplified here, looking proactively at the situation and figuring out what he could control and how to make a shift for the sake of going with where the industry uh, or going with the industry as it moved forward, he ultimately went under and went under complaining. Uh, the last thing that any of us need to be doing is to get stuck where we're at. It doesn't mean that we ignore the reality, which is, man, this is stressful. And it definitely fear-inducing. And, and to see our company not make money and to see our bank account not continue to go up the way that we're used to, that's a lot to manage. It's a lot to handle. But again, to Brandon's example, and certainly to avoid being that photo lab owner, Look for the opportunities to make change in the areas that you can control in your business, to learn to pivot, to look at this situation proactively for opportunities. And that is where you're going to find success. Um, if somebody were to ask me, what, what is, like if you were to pick one quote that represents what is most important to you in life, um, the quote for me is, it's simply, very, very simply, it's what you make of it. We have a situation, a scenario right now that's been really tough. At the end of the day, it is what we make of it. And Brandon, I, I really I can't thank you enough for making time to share how you guys have pivoted, how you've thought proactively in the context of COVID and ultimately made something of this that has been positive for your, for your business. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. And I just want to have a closing note here that it's okay to complain because complaints are the genesis for change. But you need to make that change. Hmm. You need to take that action. Um, and I'll leave you with one last thing. Back when I was an early entrepreneur, Facebook had their kind of employee handbook. And it was just kind of like hidden secret thing. And I managed to get a copy of it. And in the middle of that, that book, it's called the Little Red Book. In the middle of it, it said, we need to make the, co the company that kills Facebook. We need to make the company that kills Facebook. Because if we don't, somebody else will. Hmm. And that is so important, especially right now when everyone is pivoting, everyone is changing, and people are moving faster than ever. So it's okay to complain. Just make sure that you are taking action. And again, Nathan, thank you so much for having me back on again as well. Very yeah. humbled. Um, and uh, would love to be back on again. I always love conversations with you, man. Well, it's, it's truly our privilege. One more time, just give a shout out to your company, the website and social media so that all of our listeners can kind of follow along, um, not only with the brand, but with the content that you're producing as well. Absolutely. And pretty much everything is at Photo Booth Supply Co. We just started our TikTok too. We have uh, three followers. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> definitely give us a follow on there. Um, anything Photo Booth related as you uh, listen to uh, before uh, we we will be that go-to resource for you. So hit us up with any questions that you have. We'd love to answer them and help start your endeavor in this crazy industry that we're in right now. Cool. And we'll put all of those uh, links, those resources in the show notes, Boca podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com for everybody listening in. Thanks everyone for listening in. And thanks once again to Brandon for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? 
And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at BocaPodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.